Happy Friday, everybody. It's the Informations 411, your weekly podcast brought to you by the reporting team at the information that looks at, well, I would say normally my, my, my spiel is I say the biggest stories written during the week, other things we find interesting, and our commentary on said subjects. But I've got something uh, a little different for you this week. Normally, we focus on the stories that we've written, which, by the way, uh, they were as great as they always are this week, and I recommend you check them out on theinformation.com. So last week, I had the opportunity, the pleasure of going down to the Presidio in San Francisco and interviewing the actors from the HBO sitcom miniseries. No, it's a sitcom. HBO series Silicon Valley, uh, which was doing its premiere in San Francisco, the final season of the show. It's been running for six seasons. And I sat down with two of the lead actors in the show, Thomas Middleditch and Zach Woods. Uh, not a common occurrence for, for me. I don't typically go to press junkets, not the part of the industry that I cover, but that show has been uh, uh, kind of an interesting presence in Silicon Valley over the last couple of years. It, it, it sort of launched just as I moved up here and began covering the sector from San Francisco and has done, I think, a pretty amazing job uh, satirizing the culture of Silicon Valley, uh, talking about some of its hardships. Uh, also, I think uh, the, the optimism behind a lot of the founders in these companies is a major point of the show. And yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, it, it certainly appealed not just to people in the industry, uh, in the in the tech industry, but but more broadly, it was, it's been a really popular show for HBO. And now entering its final season, it, it had a lot to say about you know what it means to be uh, in tech these days. Uh, you'll see a lot in the show that looks at you know this role where tech is now getting scrutinized by the government, which feels like a far cry from when the show began as you know a bunch of dudes hanging out at an incubator based in someone's house in uh, in the South Bay uh, now is has grown significantly and is dealing with all of these larger social and political issues uh, anyway I get into all these topics in my conversation with Thomas Middleditch who plays Richard Hendricks uh, the CEO of Pied Piper on the show and Zach Woods who plays Jared uh, what's his last no, Jared Dunn uh, yeah, I can't believe I remembered that uh, and, and so, yeah, we, we talk both about, you know, the show itself, what they learned over the course of playing these characters, uh, both very talented improv comics. Uh, so it was a fun conversation. And um, as a quick point of disclosure for this, um, I have been very, very loosely involved in the show in the past. My brother is an associate producer on it, has done some advising to the show over the years. I have a very brief cameo in the first season. If you look very closely, you can see it. I won't tell you when. Uh, and so I've, I've kind of had the pleasure of watching this show develop over the years and, and seeing uh, both the creators, Mike Judge and Alec Berg, kind of develop this uh, from, uh, from just kind of a, an early spec script that looked very different from the show as it is today. So a lot has changed over time. The show has its premiere this Sunday on HBO. Uh, oh, and one last thing. The interview that I, that I held with them was outside, uh, kind of on this porch-like veranda situation near uh, the, the place where the premiere was being held. So there's a little bit of ambient noise there. We were, we were podcasting al fresco. So uh, when we kind of comment on things like that going on, that's what's going on there. All right. You ready? We good? Oh, my Marin. Let's roll the interview. How, how are your levels, but, by the way? Is it a little echoey? I don't It's a little yet. wet, as they say in the Okay. I actually wet. don't know what that means. It's just that. echoey, yeah. Do you want me to... Do you want to go no headphones, then? Is it distracting? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you can hear... 
I think so. I can. The levels look good. Um, Great. We can we can fly on instruments. Um, Ooh. Yeah. How's the pilot talk? Yeah. Don't get me going. How are uh, mm. <laughs> how's the junket going so far? How's the uh, how's oh, the process? Every single interview has been a slam dunk. I'm gonna yeah. go ahead and say ten out of ten. Yeah. Although inevitably after they leave, you feel a sort of subtle interior wither happen where you think. What did I just you think say? did I what say did too I much, say, or, or, or did I, I not reveal in, enough? Have I just been insufferable, relentless, uh-huh. like goofy in the sweatiest possible way, uh-huh. <laughs> um, possibly offensive? <laughs> Isn't so that what people <laughs> want, though? Is there, there's like a level yeah, of, of course. I mean, yeah, you guys are delivering. I guess. Yeah, um, that's no good. This is, this is the first junket actually I've ever taken up. I normally cover business journalism, so really, yeah, yeah, much okay. more so like on the on the corporate side of things. So you must, are you good at sort of puncturing people's spiels? Like, I would think if you're doing journalism about business, probably a lot of that work is to just like pop the bubble of somebody's carefully cultivated self-presentation. That doesn't get you as much information as oh, you really? want. I think it's more like make people tell you things without them knowing they've told you something. You bewitch them. Yes. You bewitch uh, them with their charm. Yes. Uh, and, and if they told H. you something, pretend that you already knew it <laughs> or it wasn't as impressive. Um, no one wants to hear about me, though. Uh, but, interesting. Um, but no, anyway, I, you know, I was thinking back before doing, you know, s setting up for this interview that I was here, I guess it was five years ago, four years ago, uh, when you guys did your fir the first premiere. Hmm. Um, and it was in Redwood City. Yes. Um, at the theater in Redwood City. You I guys were out there for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember Alec gave a speech before the, 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 the first episode, and he told some story. This is Alec Berg, the showrunner of the show for those listening. And uh, he told a story about like premiering a documentary for like African warlords. Uh, do you remember this story? I do not. Vaguely. Yeah. Okay. But, but the idea was that, you know, that these documentary filmmakers had made a, a, you know, a movie about African warlords. And in the end, I think in his story, they got killed. But the, the implication was that, you know, here you guys were coming to Silicon Valley showing us, you know, the true face <laughs> of, of what it is that we do. And you had no idea what the reception was going to be. It actually wasn't a metaphor. Alec is worried about being killed by African warlords. Yeah. That was all times. Yeah, it wasn't uh, yeah. an analogy. He I was see. saying, <laughs> I don't want to be killed by an African warlord. So it was, it was the African warlords <laughs> and not the tech executives that he feared. He doesn't care about tech. Right. He, honestly, he made this show to finance his security detail, which is like 10 guys deep because uh -huh. pretty much like all of Eastern Africa has at least one warlord right. after. He's the last guy worried about Coney. Yeah, the last guy worried about Coney. Sorry, I couldn't be here to defend himself on that. Uh, but, but, but my question, though, is that I felt like maybe legitimately he was worried, you know, coming here to, you know, on home court uh, to, to, to make the show about tech, that there would be some sort of backlash, that it would be seen well, as, you know, like an unwelcomed host. Did you feel that at all when you like, it, first? I think it is an industry that has that had prompted this show uh -huh. to sort of satirize as it was known for taking itself quite seriously. Yeah. So for the first little thrust into this thing, you wondered, oh, are these are these people so self-serious that they won't be able to have a good show? Sure. Chuckle? Legit question. And you want to be able you want I think good set good satire will make the people you're satirizing be like okay fair play that's right. fun that's right. fun as as opposed to if it's not then it might be just a little bit mean-spirited and then it's not necessarily satire it's just uh -huh. someone being a jerk right uh, i always feel like people want to the, the the thing people want more than anything is to feel known and so if you satirize people in a way that they recognize that resonates with them mm -hmm. um they feel known it's like how like if your friends give you a hard time in a way that feels like very specific to your quirks and picadellas and everything, then it can feel 
loving in a way, even if they're like really giving you shit because it feels like, oh, they they know who I am. Right. They paid attention to and me. And it comes from a place of knowledge and a place of interest. Yeah. Right? And like even affection, too. Yeah, like, affection, yeah. yeah. Right. But also there was some actually like blowback, not as much like in terms of the public response, but there, we were just bullied individually by some of these tech guys. Oh, like, good. Oh, what was that? Tell me those stories. Uh, at that Redwood screening, I was in the men's room. It was just me and Steve Wozniak came in and he, he pulled down my pants. Well, my pants were already, I was at the urinal, but then uh-huh. he pulled them all the way down and he said, look at you. Uh-huh. Look at your pale, pale little butt. And I was yeah. like, what? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut yeah. up, shut up. Right. Welcome to Silicon Valley, Welcome bitch. Welcome to Silicon Valley, bitch. And, yeah. and then he shoved me so that, the so I... It doesn't. The details aren't important, but it it was. Uh, it was. You got. Hard. You got wet with your own mess. Yeah, I got wet with my own mess, and he said, "Like you're wet with your own mess," and that yeah. was. But and then, then he he I remember, like yeah. at the party, you, such yeah. a surprise for Wozniak, yeah. an unassuming character. Otherwise, you really you did something. He, to he him. kept saying Steve Jobs was the nice one. <laughs> yeah. Must never hear those Musk came up to me and said, "You want to slam dunk." on Martin. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I got this basketball and he showed me how to basketball. I was like, okay, uh-huh. why'd you bring the basketball to a party? He said, don't, don't worry about it. Let's slam dunk on him. Uh huh. Like, it's the social situation. Why are you, what are you talking about? There's no basketball. basketball in yeah. yeah. Right. Like, trust me, trust me. It'll be funny. And I kind of didn't do it. He got mad at me. Uh-huh. And he's been sending me an email every single year being like, you should have dunked on him. It yeah. would have been funny. Yeah. You should just play along next time. Right. Like, and he's a bit funny. unhinged funny. if you be paid funny. attention to his, his exploits. Like, <laughs> yeah. you really should have listened to the guy. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay, so you, you really did see the worst of what, <laughs> what Silicon Valley has <laughs> yeah. to offer then very yeah. early on. It really hurt my feelings. Um, so, but, but really, though, like, when you guys first got, you know, knowledge of these parts, they were making this show about Silicon Valley. So this probably would have been before that, obviously before that, like 2013 or so. I mean, what was your, how much had you thought about this industry and, like, it's, importance business-wise culture-wise whatever uh, I think for I think maybe I mirrored a sentiment that I think a lot of people feel with this with this sort of element of our, our of our economy is that like it is this mysterious thing where a lot of kind of both cool asinine mm-hmm. useful interesting scary stuff comes out right. of it and apparently like there's a lot of money but like outside of that who knows like yeah. oh, uh, oh there's this something called uber you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like the, oh, there is i definitely like knew uh as about as much as the average consumer and then through this show kind of just became a, w- a little bit more aware of the business side of it and the cutthroatedness of it all and um the also like the the genuine pioneering that's that some people are are doing right like sure. there's some crazy like crazy thinkers out here uh-huh. which is kind of and you had a chance to spend time with them in the course a little of bit here and there you know sometimes these sometimes it's like we're in a room we're being introduced to someone and then like it's only upon leaving that social situation where someone's like that guy invented time and right you're like oh okay whoops yeah. sorry right <laughs> did you say invented time yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. like oh shoot i didn't know yeah sorry. we met like we meet yeah, like google Demi-guys. invented time i think <laughs> mid 90s and before <laughs> yeah. that it was just I don't know, just just sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 uh, Zach, the, well, the same. Well, because you have a different kind of character. I mean, I feel like you know, Richard is a very familiar type uh, to a degree. Not the way you played him, but this idea of like, oh, kind of a neuroatypical, uh, you know, coding genius who maybe doesn't have a lot of social skills, but you know, can can really make it. Yeah, that's on brand. Yeah. But Jared is like an an uber passionate. COO type, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think for me, it's like business, nurturing. business uh, yeah. and tech both have been and continue to be fairly opaque to me. I think my, my cognitive 
abilities don't lend themselves to understanding tech or business. Mm -hmm. And so luckily my job on the show isn't to understand the intricacies of the machines or the uh, businesses. It's to humanize, to find the sort of human mm -hmm. part of it. And, right. And so I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed like having, ha having to think about the tech world in as empathetic a way as possible rather than that's been the fun part is trying oh, to imagine good. how those are you hearing something Matt? no i, I heard the, the tapping and i was worried that was coming from oh, those the mics are the, those are the children those are, okay yeah. there are children okay that's an army of children playing ball Who are games. like mercifully right it's probably me. all children of like founders <laughs> from vcs out here yeah it sounds like cats i just kept saying empathy and in a never-ending sentence but yeah, yeah. no no but i mean that's clearly <laughs> i mean like a, a lot of the narrative of the show i think comes back to you know your like moral grounding and the character's moral grounding right that like when he sees things going too far when, when start things start becoming so brutally capitalistic and ambitious that you know someone needs to be there to say like this is beyond what you know yeah what we and thought his, it should his be. relationship, if I may, Jared's relationship with Richard has uh -huh. always been one of affection born out of, hey, here's this guy with this great idea, but boy, does he have some strong moral convictions, which I really dig. Mm -hmm. And when Richard starts to entertain the notions of going down the crooked path, it's, mm -hmm. it stresses like Jared's uh, like boundless love. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and belief. That, yeah, and, that, and, and there, that sort of relationship friction tends to keep Richard aligned as well yeah mm -hmm. yeah I can sort of relate to that moment of like I think in the f maybe second episode when Jared joins up with Pied Piper there's a moment where he sees Richard for the first time and it's like a duckling imprinting on the mother duck or like or it, maybe a better metaphor is one where it's just like I didn't realize it could be like that like and I've had that experience oddly enough when I was a I guess sort of a kid watching Office Space. I remember watching Office Space and thinking, oh, it can be like this? Like comedies yeah. can be like that? Mm -hmm. And it's such a bizarre thing that now... What, what aspect of Office Space? It was just I the... I don't know what it was. The, it like was finding humor in the menial daily life. Yeah, and it was like so behavioral. It wasn't like quippy or zany. It was kind of yeah. like... And there's a suspenseful plot in it of yeah. like, oh, wow, they're going to find the... I guess it's not a virus, but they're going to find their like their money skimmer right. program. But it's also maybe good people finding themselves because of a larger system pushed into making bad decisions. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe that wasn't it. No, but it's a, no, but it's like a, a comedy with, there's a, the, the whole sequence where they bash up the photocopier. Yeah, it's, it's a mm -hmm. comedy that is, there are characters in it, stapler, my stapler, my stapler. Mm -hmm. There's that, but there's also just, it's not just that. There's like this other plot going on. And it didn't feel mass, it didn't feel like mass market, like, comedy with a capital k it was like i just remember that's it again. that's not how it's spelled how do you spell it i think you i think you start it with a ph <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just think i so it's a bizarre thing i've never put that together before but i remember thinking that and it's so weird that now working with mike judge i get to play a character who is having a similar experience mm -hmm. with with uh, richard where it's like oh wow this is like a, a novel um example yeah. yeah so like as the show went on to me, at least, it seemed like it got darker, progressively darker. And I imagine part of that is just mirroring what was happening in tech. I mean, you look at the first season, it was about, you know, a bunch of guys in a house. They want to get to like tech Crunch disrupt so they can you know, win that and raise some money. And then like a few seasons in, you, you know, there are factories in China with, you know, questionable you know, humanitarian practices. 
um, and, and on and on. I mean, do you feel like that at all was mirroring what was happening in, in tech, uh, where suddenly there was a recognition that, oh, these guys have tremendous amounts of power and maybe they don't really know what, what the fuck to do with it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think when... That's a great, good question for Mike and Alec. Yeah. If you, if you ever... Well, did that inform you what you guys did, um, uh, you know, in, in the character or how you approached... Hmm. I think in the end we're playing our characters just to how they would potentially react sure. or think of in the moment. I mean, the show has always started out with the premise of, um, you know, we're here to make a difference. Or, right. Right. What, what is it? Uh, sure. If you can shrink, make the world, make the world a better place. Right. And, it, and the kind of like the underlying kind of funny elements of that, where it's either you're making the world a better place by something asinine by like, I don't mm -hmm. know, like, we say it in the first episode. It's like by uh, algorithms. Right. Of some right. Kind. If you can shrink, yeah, I mean that was the, the Gavin Belson, uh, the Hooli line, right? It's like oh, if you can shrink uh, data or, or, or things like that, you could shrink cancer. Wouldn't wouldn't that be something? Yeah. But I also think there's a like an appealing sort of agnostic quality to the show, which I think one thing I really like about the last season is I feel like it sort of takes a position. I think for the for the first. Good whatever chunk. five seasons yeah. mm -hmm. it it it's true that there are all these hypocrites with these moral affectations and they're laughable but also richard is an example of somebody who is in his sort of quiet way trying to make the world a better place yes. through and tech. there and there also are people like that too in right the, like real people in sure this, in why would san francisco be the one city that is completely bereft of of altru genuinely altruistic people, or, yeah. or why would one industry be? It's right. like any industry. It's like Hollywood. There are the people who are craven. There are the people who are you know, sort of ambivalent, and then there are people who are really yeah. trying. And and I think the show depicts the range of behaviors. It's not just a sort of s scornful look at these schmucks show. Mm -hmm. It's saying, well, there's a version that is schmucky. Right. Then there's a version where it's like, can you? Can you make the world a better place yeah. through tech? What does that require? What kind of moral compromises do you have to make along the way in order to be to sustain your ascent? You know, I think these are, I think it's a really interesting part of the show. And I think that last season has something really interesting to say about that. Yeah. How much did you feel, though, like the outside narrative, uh, you know, because yeah, I feel like you guys, you know, like your explanation right now kind of pushes back on what I'm seeing as a prevailing you know, criticism of tech, which is that there is something inherently wrong with the way these companies are run, that they're not interested in managing free speech in a way that promotes democracy, or they have these crazy military contracts that you don't even know about, but actually is, you know, the large part of what funds these companies. Yeah. Or that the CEOs make like a thousand times right. more than. I mean, how much was workers. it at all for you like a struggle to think about like what was the moral center of of some of these companies? Boy, this interview's no, gone a very no, different direction. Yeah. But I don't think anyone sets out to be Darth Vader. You uh -huh. start out as Anakin Skywalker, right? right? You become Darth Vader through your surroundings and the and the the, the, the yeah your the means in which you get success and how kind right. of treacherous that can be you know uh everyone every one of these cats who is now in the position to be vilified started out with the dare to dream sure. kind of attitude. i haven't seen joker yet but i think we're going down the same path <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but even like one of the nice things about being an actor even in a half hour comedy is like your job is to as far as i for me at least is to not be judgmental to try to empathize even with people who do deplorable things and in a world that I feel is sort of increasingly um, moralistic for good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have a job that is less about sort of assessing 
how good a guy or how bad a guy a person is and to just be able to like try to imagine the world from a different person's perspective it's like a really it's a major perk of the job so right. I, I I like that like in our show we don't have to you know it's not productive for my job to think about um how good or bad a guy Jared is or Richard is, you know, it's, right. it, I have to, it's interesting you know. in some ways it feels like antithetical to the job of covering it because you know, what makes for an interesting story typically is like, Oh man, what wrong thing did they do? It's interesting. Uh, right. And I feel like that kind of drives a lot of the coverage of it. Well, that, I mean the, the show for years has been a series of uh, either stepping in it or saying the wrong things or right. making the wrong, the quote unquote wrong choice, holding on to morality, but really at the detriment to the success of the company. So, I mean, the, what makes the show, what has made the show so fun to watch is because they're constantly failing and struggling right. and potentially doing the wrong thing right. in the face of doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to switch gears a bit here, um, though I did, I mean, okay. this got very serious. Well, I like vanilla and I'm not ashamed. Yeah. If you're talking ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't do anything with that. Um, so, um, that so, is not news to me. Yeah, that's right. I can't. There's it, it's not a single scoop there. Hey. Uh, no. I, I walked into it. Um, so so I, I wanted to play a game. Um, and then <laughs> I saw see that, this, but Tom is wincing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now you understand the feeling that we were just having after those interviews. Yeah, no, I, I, loved I loved it. it that was by great. The way. That was a great. Wait, you were wincing, or the interviewer was wincing? Uh, probably all. Of yeah. The above. yeah. Um. So, but I. So I thought about this idea of of naming uh, 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 tech companies, real tech companies that have bizarre names, and yes. then ask you to come up what it does. And I was asking people in the office about that, uh, and they gave me a bunch of names. And one of them was like, "Oh, that's so fun. Wired played that with them." Uh, like three years ago. Um, so that's gone. Do your research. Dude. Yeah. Well, I did enough to know that I shouldn't ask you that. Yeah, but okay. uh, but I, I was thinking we could play a twist on that because um, okay. you guys are very talented uh, entertainers and improvisers. Um, Allegedly. Um, so I will name a real company that we just wrote about today uh, yes. that we published about. Um, it's a messaging app. And I was hoping just by name you could tell me what you think it does. And then because I think you guys have gained a huge amount of experience understanding the Valley and, and Silicon Valley, you can maybe pitch it to me as a VC. So if I were a VC, okay. you tell me what this app does and why you think I should invest in it. Okay. okay. So the name of the app is Cocoon. Oh, Cocoon. Cocoon. Oh, you're going you're to love it. Okay. Yeah. Cocoon lets you uh, message your your friends and your family and the people that mean the most to you. And the best part about Cocoon is you can write to them your most honest skating critiques and grievances. And then it will gestate for it for a period of four months before it's sent out. And it will be um, <laughs> transmogrified through algorithms and AI to come out as uh, glowing compliments. You oh, are you are the okay. ca you are the caterpillar to a, a butterfly. That's I see. cocoon. So, so rather than a direct message, this this app actually transforms your message into something positive. Right. It takes the true hatred you feel and converts it to artificial love. Okay. And and I mean, what t tell me what the business is there? Why why would that be something that anyone would spend money on? Um, because what are you going to change? You're going to find a way to like suspend your judgment of the people you love. No way. Easier to do it in app. Yeah. Like, one one yeah. one thing we've learned is um, humans will never change their habits. So mm -hmm. it's best to just let the machines change it for you. Let the machines change it for you. Just do you do you. It's the power of me, baby. 
and let this app uh, cultivate your rest. own self-improvement. And, and so, so who are some of your biggest competitors? Uh, religion. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Robbins. Yeah, right. Any kind of sort of positive or. Oh, I just meant other apps, but you're right. There's probably no, bigger social yeah. factors. Like good parenting has been really competing with us. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that's, it's stressful because there's those like good parents teach people how to like express themselves in a yeah. non-hostile way, and it's just like, well, there goes. Yeah, and we've actually there started a whole boat. movement to suppress good parenting too. Yeah. So, but that's kind of like a, it's a sleeper movement. Yeah, we we have a foundation called "Just Give Them Your Cell Phone," and uh, uh-huh. it's for parents. Them is the parents. Yeah, it's saying if there's ever a situation where you feel lost or overwhelmed as a parent, um, or even just bored, just give, give them your, your kid the cell phone. And you know what? You're talking it. about business models. You know what? The only app is on that cell phone. Cocoon. 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 Yeah. No, it's a hardware business too. Then yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is smart. This yeah. is smart. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. So I do want to, with our remaining minute or so, give you a chance to kind of set up the season and what uh, you know. This is going to be coming out a couple of days before uh, the, the premiere. So anything yeah. that you think people should be thinking about going into season six of Silicon Valley. Pipe Piper over the years has had many different iterations, many different pivots, uh-huh. as it were. This is the final pivot, the grand slam to create a brand new internet, one free of uh, data harvesting (laughs) and all the bad bits that we we conceive of the internet to be. And the show has always maintained this, you know, it's obviously funny, it's satirical, filled with characters we love but it also has the suspense of are they going to sink and are they going to swim and i think especially how the season comes to an end it like has all the elements of what you like about this show turned up and i i, I really think they stick the landing i yeah. think they stick the landing and I also they as in the writers yeah the, yeah we you, i'm sure we you take too. it no we we blow it no we yeah we, i i said i said and, and last episode i was like hey zach you want to switch characters and mm-hmm. he said yes yeah so. And that's and the whole episode is done with you playing different characters. Yeah, yeah he's playing Richard, I'm playing Jerry. It's like a grotesque spasm of vanity on our parts, but <laughs> um, and it ruined the finale. But for us, it was sort of an interesting yeah. experiment because we saw Norbit, the two of us uh-huh. on, a, on a Greyhound bus. They were playing Norbit, and we thought, wait a second, now we could do that. We could switch up and play a bunch of different characters uh-huh. like Eddie Murphy, uh-huh. and and uh, and they said, well, no, that's actually a movie, and this is a show, and there's continuity, and we said. You know, you shut up, you shut up, right? Right. Yeah. What are you going to do now? It's the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to recast do it now us? Or we That's walk. weird. Do yeah. Do it now or we walk. It's, uh, you know, one thing that I think is cool about the, the last season, too, is they talk, there's sort of, um, I feel like it asks what success is. Yeah. It's sort of challenge, uh, well, I don't want to say too much, but I think it examines in not too self serious way, hopefully, um, what success means. Mm hmm. Individually and also like on a on a larger corporate social level. Yeah, what is a successful startup? What does that look like? And how do you what is the metric they use to evaluate a successful startup? Is it earnings, influence, um, morality, morality? Uh, and I think that's an interesting question. Like to to not sort of just accept the standard sort of social socialized version of success to to think about what success actually is. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Zach. Yeah. And, Putting it, sinking it right down, right in the basket. 
Yeah, I don't feel from like from the 40-yard line straight in the basket for three points. Sorry, I didn't hear that. I was just smelling the microphone <laughs> cover. <laughs> yeah, a uh, lo- lot of tech execs have been on that thing. So you can, if you can identify who, that's uh, that's oh real character God. research. I only, I can only identify by taste. I'm yeah, go, go ahead, lick it up. Right, that's for the party. That's for the after party. Uh, all right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, this Thank has you. been great. This uh, is fun. Yep. Well, uh, well, everyone should watch the show. Goodbye, you all. Scream you later.